You're about to listen to another episode of the Braun Body Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Braun. I founded Braun Body Training Holistics in 2019, and we started the Braun Body Podcast in March of 2020. Since then, we've released over 100 podcast episodes about various topics relating to training, nutrition, lifestyle, mental health, and so much more. We've been fortunate enough to have amazing guests on the show who range from doctors in physical therapy, chiropractics, nutrition experts, strength and conditioning specialists, and so much more. This podcast is your new one-stop shop for motivational content, health and fitness content, training advice, insight, and wisdom that you can get nowhere else. Welcome to the Brawn Body Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the show. In this episode of the Brawn Body Podcast, I'm joined by a longtime friend of mine, William Rapakis, and we're going to be discussing his personal health and fitness journey and his own kind of training style that he's developed throughout the years that kind of blends a lot of different things, calisthenics, CrossFit, Olympic lifting, and so much more. I'm really excited to bring you this amazing episode, and I'm really thankful for William's time that he contributed to the show. This episode and all of our episodes are brought to you by CTM Band, founded by Dr. Kyle Bowling. You can click the link below to get 10% off your purchase at CTM Band's website. I'm going to turn it over to one more sponsor for a quick word before we start the show. William, welcome to the show. Excited to have you, man. I'm excited to be here. So you and I have kind of known each other for quite a while, but we haven't actually like caught up in what feels like years and years. It's kind of crazy. And from what I remember, you know, we played soccer together. We were doing a lot of running, a lot of cardio. Neither of us were what we consider like gym rats or gym junkies or anything like that. Now, clearly something's changed for both of us along the course of the past, you know, eight years or so. So for yourself, what's kind of pushed you along that kind of personal journey, pushed you into your uh, health and fitness journey? And has there been anything that's kind of like stood in your way or blocked your progress? Yeah, so um, when I first started doing like everything CrossFit, it was like I had a friend that was doing it and I was really interested. And it was, but the, by the time I got into it, I was done playing soccer. So I needed something that like kind of was relatable to that. So that's where like CrossFit came in. And I'm probably at this point been doing it for like five or six years and I've been coaching it for about four years. So I've had my, like, it's still pretty young into like the industry, but coaching wise, but within that I've learned so much about like talking to people and just like me developing myself mm-hmm. and how I coach it's just like everything has grown even in the past couple months it's like kind of taken over that role of the desire to own my own business and kind of open up my own thing whether it's crossfit related it might not be but i've noticed that like going through this type of profession it's one of those things that like you're either kind of all in or you got to kind of be all in yeah if you're not all in you're gonna not really if you're talking to someone else they'll kind of notice that so 
I've noticed that when I'm talking to people, it's very easy for me to kind of like understand them. And if I'm not that way, that it's like, I've already lost someone's interest. So throughout this journey, it was like, in high school, I would say I was not, I was not the person that could like talk. So I wasn't the person that went out to like social gatherings and talked, but now in the gym, I'm talking to like 20 people at a time, sometimes 30 people at a time. And it's just completely changed my like outlook and what I can do, whether it be talking to someone new, even talking to you, which is like nine, eight, nine years later, after mm -hmm. like the last time I had seen you, it's kind of like, you'd have, you want that ability to just pick up where you kind of left off. Yep. And that's what I've noticed is like, you, I, I don't want to act like it's the first time I've ever met you in like 10 years. Cause then you're, you're already like, it's just a weird vibe. It's like, just rather like we've been friends for the whole time and yeah. we're just like getting back together. That's how I want to be. But like, as for something that kind of like was blocking my progress or something that was like happened to me was um, I went, I was at school. I think it was like my last year at school and my friend was doing a uh, study and it was like, I forget what it, the study was specifically about, but you had to max test your back squat. And then throughout like a nine week period, you had to keep going to him once a week and you would do like a series of squatting and a series of benching. And something happened within that time frame where I felt something in my back, like kind of like not give, but like there was something nagging going on. Mm -hmm. And then when probably like a full year of just like laying low, not doing anything that's going to aggravate it, um, just focusing on everything else that I could do at the time. And when I came back to the gym. It was just doing some back squatting. I was doing like one and a quarter squats and it was only based off percentages I've hit in the past would have been like 50 or 60% of what I hit. So I'm not like super heavy, but I did it and I was on my last set and my back just like blew out. So like to the point where I felt it throughout my, throughout my whole body, couldn't stand up for like 45 minutes because I couldn't move my legs, had to have people help me out to the car. So that's like, I look at it as something that like at the time blocked my progress, but it also allowed me to become more relatable to someone else. Right. So like, I didn't take the time to kind of go get it checked out. I just knew with like my experience was just kind of like work around it, do what I can in other areas. And then eventually, like if it's something really serious, it's not going to kind of like heal or it'll take a lot longer but it slowly started to get better. So I knew it was improving, but I knew like at, after that point, it really was like a huge setback of like, I don't really need to kind of like go super hard every single day, like work out four or five hours a day. And so that's where like, that was something that was like very detrimental because I was still wanted to compete and like go to competitions and compete against other people. But then that made me, gets to the point where like I couldn't talk to people that way not saying that you want to do that anyways but it was like this huge life-changing thing where I was like yeah I don't really want to just like I want to be more at a point where I feel very fit and I'm like 
still able to move my body versus like pushing my <laughs> to the limits. Yep. So that's where I kind of at now, which is like, have, that was like the biggest thing that happened. Um, I think that was the only thing that I can think of right now that was like something that blocked me at the time, but I was still coaching. Right. And it kind of like, now I still have like issues here and there where I feel it, but it's not, it's more of like, just knowing that it's kind of always going to be there yep. and then it's going to where I'm comfortable versus like trying to just max out all the time. So that's where I'm at now. Right. And I take away a couple big things from everything you just said. Uh, so first and foremost, you said it yourself that you found that your speaking ability had improved as you kind of got into fitness more. And that's something I've noticed with a lot of people. Once they start physically training their body and working out, the confidence kind of grows in things that they haven't really thought about. And they go out and they start doing things they haven't done before because every day they're in the gym, they're doing something they haven't done before, right? You get stronger and stronger every time you're in there. You do a new exercise or you progress an exercise with more reps or more weight. And you start to see every single day that you can mentally do more than you ever thought you could uh, before. And I think that's a very powerful uh, thing uh, for everyone. And two, you were talking about that kind of back pain, uh, back injury that you had. And a lot of people would just throw in the towel right there, right? A lot of people would just say, look, you know, my back hurts. This is really bad. It's not something like, I don't know what's going on. I need to get it checked out. And then the next thing you know, they're in the doctors and then they're getting imaging and then they're seeing a specialist and then they kind of embody their diagnosis. We see it all the time. And it's unfortunate because it doesn't have to be like that. Just because something hurts doesn't mean that you need to, you know, drop five, 10 grand on medical bills or get life-changing surgeries or anything like that. Oh, There's yeah. other avenues and other approaches to uh, kind of heal your pain. And in your case, going with kind of the exercise route and just kind of being a little bit more kind of calculated in your training approach. I mean, that's basically bread and butter for what I do in physical therapy. It's a holistic way to reduce your pain, but still be able to function. So I think it's interesting that you share that because that's something that I'm constantly preaching to people. I've seen 19, 20 year old people who, you know, they have something similar to what you have. And next thing you know, they're getting a fusion surgery or something insane without ever trying any kind of conservative management. So yeah. it's wild to me how common this is becoming and how few people kind of take the avenue that you do. I like to think that you chose to take the harder road in this case, but I think you would agree that it's definitely been worthwhile for you anyways. Oh yeah. And it's like, even now today, it's, it's still always in my mind that like that could potentially happen again, but I'm at a point where like, is like there was a time last year where I was back to that competing type of mindset and I was pushing myself every single day. But then I hit a point where it's like, one, I didn't want to like, kind of like, I have a lot of other things that I want to do. And I didn't want to kind of be in the gym all day long to take away from that part. So I knew like with my training now, as long as I like go in the gym and I really enjoy what I'm doing, 
that's the biggest thing. So I just want to be at a point where I still enjoy working out versus it feeling kind of like a burden that I have to do it every single day. For sure. And I like how you said that you find enjoyment in your training. It's something that you like to do. It's something that you look forward to every day. It's not something that you're like, oh, I have to do that. It's something that you look at and you say, wow, I get to do that today. Like you're excited about it. And I think that's something that everyone should look for in their training is I use the metaphor, find what waves your flag or, you know, find what rattles your cage. I say that a lot sometimes, but find something that you enjoy doing. And for some people it's running, for some people it's CrossFit, for some people it's powerlifting. It doesn't really matter what your cup of tea is, but find something that keeps you going. Uh, Oh yeah. And in a few minutes, we're going to kind of discuss your own kind of training approaches, I know, because you have a kind of unique style to things. Uh, yeah. But is there any other kind of lessons that you think people should kind of take away from, you know, your kind of backstory of, hey, you know, I was someone who never really saw myself getting into health and fitness like this. But one thing kind of led to the next led to the next. And here I am today. Well, I will say just from my experience first getting into it is where I'm at now is completely different from when I first started. And I will say that I wouldn't be at the point where I am now where I'm able to kind of like be comfortable going to any gym and talking to someone. I wouldn't be at that point if I wasn't kind of like just thrown in straight away. Because when I Mm -hmm. first started, it was like, I didn't, wasn't coaching any classes and I was still very new and didn't really know how to like talk to different people. And when I first started coaching, the owner of that CrossFit gym I was at left and I took all of his classes. So I went from coaching nothing to 10, like 10 classes varying from like five 30 in the morning to closing at night. And that is a great, like, that was a great thing to start off with because it was like, one, you learn if this is the type of profession that like is going to work for you because then you can either break it or you can make it. Yep. So that type. And two, it's like, it's all learning experience in this. So like, it's con- even where I'm at now where I've been coaching for four or five years, like I'm still learning, still learning how to talk to people, still learning different types of training and not every type of not one type of training is like the, the best out of everything. So it's all just like a learning process. For sure. I love that you bring that up. There's no cookie cutter approach. There's nothing that works for everyone. So yes. got to keep innovating and adapting. Uh, now with that, you've been someone who has been very innovative and adaptive with your own training and health and fitness. So what's kind of been your personal kind of approach and style to your workouts how are you kind of structuring your own workouts what exercises that sort of thing so what I do now is I'll still do CrossFit workouts um but I know just from personal experience what is gonna like I don't want to say destroy my body but what's gonna leave me sore for like days on days versus kind of like a workout that I'm going to feel good afterwards. So there are workouts that I will do, but then there are workouts that like, it comes down to like the programming and who's doing the programming. And it really like, for me personally is I'm in the type of mindset where it's more like just longevity. 
like when I'm 50, 60 years old, am I still going to be able to function as if I'm like the age I am now, which is only 26. So as I get older, am I still going to feel the same? Am I still going to function as the same? And that's where like me going to the extent of like injuring my back was a good opener to that. Whereas I'm like, why am I going to go push myself this far when I could just like do what I like to do and still get the same outcomes. So more of like just trying to get myself to feel better every single day and just like wanting to do stuff that I'm interested in versus what I have to do. So, I mean, I know what is going to help me also with like the background of exercise. So it's more like I have goals and then I want to reach those goals. I've had other goals in the past that I've changed. So it's all just like changing over time, but I'm at a point where it's more just the longevity of it. Right. So you have goals, you have a direction that you're working towards, you're doing your programming to get there, but your overall overarching goal is you want to keep doing this for a long time and not just like just a short period of time. Yes. And also like with that mindset, that's kind of like how I train. I think one of your questions is how would you, how do you train people? And that's kind of how I train anyone that I personally train. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And that's something that I think a lot of people are kind of forgetting about lately. Uh, I see a lot of athletes who, you know, their whole focus is the present, the right now. How do I get my squat, you know, as strong as I can right now? How do I get the best performance I can have during the season right now? And they aren't thinking about five, six, seven years down the line. A lot of strength coaches I've seen also kind of throw that long-term mindset to the side, right? It's kind of an infamous thing for like high school football coaches. You see them in the weight room and, you know, you'll see people deadlifting with a rounded back and the form goes out the window. It's all about how much weight you can lift right then and there instead of doing it properly, doing it as something that you can learn and carry on for life, cultivating healthy habits. Uh, So I think you're kind of hitting on some common problems that we see across the board in health and fitness is people don't have that long-term mindset uh and kind of with that how did you kind of go about cultivating that long-term mindset was there anything that you did specifically that kind of made you other than the injury that kind of made you realize like this is something that I need to kind of change my approach on to make sure I am doing it for a long time and what did that look like are you spending more time on mobility type stuff now or corrective exercise or just less time in that one rep max higher weight range or I would say like getting to that point a lot of like the audience that I see is can be just it ranges from someone who's 13 years old all the way up to like 60 years old so like I see so many individuals that are like in their later ages and they like aren't able to move as much and I have like these ladies that I train that are both I don't know specifically specifically what age they are but like you could say like middle ages but I've seen them grow so much with what I kind of give them and it's not even I don't even give anyone CrossFit workouts when I train them it's more just uh, functional style movements. So like my whole thinking is, can I give you some type of movement 
that you're able to use outside the gym. Now, the, um, like the philosophy of CrossFit is very similar, but it varies depending on what gym you're at. So you can go to one gym and get a certain workout and you can go to another gym that's completely different. And that's a lot of gyms are like that, but it's just their overall goal. Every, every movement I program, like my, I wouldn't program a movement unless I, if I couldn't tell them what it's used for. Mm -hmm. So every movement I program, and that's one thing I learned in school is like, know a why of everything that you do. So like, you shouldn't just put stuff together because that's what you should do. You should know the reason why you're putting something here or like the reason outside the gym that it'll be useful. And that's where I'm at. It's like everything that I put in, whether it be like a sled push or some other type of functional style movement, I can always explain to them why they're doing that. And I think that's what helps with that. I like, I don't think of it as a way of like me growing my knowledge. I want everyone else to kind of like gain upon that. So I always kind of explain it anyways, mm -hmm. so that way they know why they're doing a certain movement versus like, oh, we're just going to do chest today because you won't, I want you to get a bigger chest. Yeah. It's like, we're going to do this movement because I want X, Y, and Z. Yep. And that helps them invest in the program more, yes. I'm sure, because yeah. they understand what they're doing and why they're doing it. And that's another thing that, as you know, is just such a common problem. You go to the gym and I guarantee you, if you're there on a Monday, you'll see people hitting chest. And if you're there on a Friday, you'll hear, you'll see a bunch of guys hitting arms. And if you ask them why they're doing what they're doing, it's just, well, I want a bigger chest or I want bigger arms. It's mostly aesthetic focused. And there's a huge uh, misunderstanding about function. And I personally have done something similar to you. I shifted my training approach a few years back to very functional based and kind of throughout the what we call aesthetic specific or bodybuilder specific kind of split training approach not that there's anything wrong with that for some people but i just wanted something different and i noticed better strength and performance gains when i switched to a functional approach similar to you than with the kind of bodybuilder style that i'm talking about so I don't really do things like leg extensions anymore. I don't do a whole lot of leg curls. I do a lot of lunges, step ups, front squat, deadlift, like those functional type movements like you talked about. And I think that's just in general, a huge misconception for people is there's this thought or belief that we have to use isolation exercises and we have to do these bodybuilder style splits because that's what you know so and so did or that's what it said in the magazine and it's crazy to think like that one and two it's amazing the results people see when they start shifting to that functional approach like you're talking about yeah and even like i think a big thing that actually or contributed to that was that i did start out in a crossfit gym versus like a conventional style with all the machines because in in my the gym I work at now and when I started it didn't have any machines and it was all just like dumbbells and barbells so now I'm at a point where I'm like have to be very creative with what I kind of give someone right because I don't have I always include some it could be some bodybuilding aspects but a lot of what the majority of the programming is is more the um, functional part of it so 
I'm most of the time, like in trying to figure out how I can mimic a certain movement when I only have bands or a dumbbell. And I'm like, it almost has helped me become a lot better of a like coach and personal trainer because like other people don't. Um, and this is a good takeaway is like other people, they don't need to know why you do a certain movement. Like the only person that needs to know is you yourself and the person you're training. Those are the only people that need to know why you're doing a certain movement. Um, but it's always good to understand why someone's doing a certain movement. Like asking, like if I saw you training someone, I would be like, oh, well, why are you doing that? Like, it's always good to understand those other types of training practices. For sure, because there's so many training approaches out there. And, yes. uh, you know, it's impossible to learn every single one, but you can, if nothing else, familiarize yourself with some of the different, more popular styles or popular approaches, because uh, it helps to have multiple tools in the toolbox because one approach will not work for everyone. Um, unfortunately, it'd be yeah. convenient if it did, you know, if we could just throw five, three, one at everyone and everyone would walk around strong and jacked, that would be nice, <laughs> but it's a lot more complicated than that. And that's why, you know, I always encourage people when they're starting out with health and fitness, especially like kind of pay a little extra and get yourself a good trainer who is going to actually teach you the fundamental principles of exercise so that you then learn and understand, Hey, this approach actually worked for me. This is something that I can continue to do for the rest of my life. And now I know how to do it. Um, so kind of a little long-term carryover there. Um, yes. Now with that thinking about long-term carryover training is great, but training is nothing without what goes on in the kitchen obviously you can't outwork a bad diet seems like a very uh, <laughs> cliche kind of thing to say but do you yourself use any kind of specific nutritional approach or anything like that so um for me personally i kind of just like i don't i eat very clean but it's not like i'm going out of my, my way just to eat really clean it's just what happened to happen so a lot of what my meals consist of is like i don't eat a ton of vegetables that's the only problem that i eat a lot of like rice and protein um the kind of start of this was a while back after um like last year i, I went i was like eating what i normally eat and i started to get these like stomach pains or like nausea after eating something and i was like didn't know what it was. So I got to a point where I was just like cutting things out, seeing what worked best. So that's what started everything was just like literally going to like plain everything. Cause I didn't know what was going to kind of hurt, what wasn't. So it was like just rice and meat and vegetables. And so after a while I got to a point where I was like, I used to eat a lot of eggs and I came home from the gym, ate just eggs and after I had like two eggs and then I cooked them, I got this like, literally what felt like my stomach was gonna explode. So with like, went to urgent care and told them all my symptoms and everything. They're like, yeah, you have a like stomach ulcer. So after that, I was just like, okay, like I could go to the specialist and they could give me some like pills and everything, or I can just like literally cut whatever I can out just eat super clean 
and did, finally came to the like determination that it was the eggs causing the issue. So now when I get up, it's like, I don't eat like an actual breakfast. I have a protein shake, which mm-hmm. is like plant-based plant. I can only do plant-based protein or some like whey protein, not, not all of it or else I'll still get like bloated or nausea. So I just do plant-based and the rest of my meals, like how it's set up is sometimes I have a protein shake. And then maybe two protein bars from four o'clock till 12. And then I'll try and have from 12 to like eight, three or four meals in that time frame. Yep. So that's kind of how like my diet's set up. Right. And so that's what works best for me. Yeah, exactly. And that's what it's all about. Find what works best for you. Yes. And in your case, you found that you had more of a sensitive uh, GI tract and some digestive issues. And that tends to be a common theme. Um, That's one of the most underreported health problems we see in America. Uh, It's estimated that between one in four and one in two, so somewhere in that 25 to 50% of our population range has some kind of GI problem that they're living with. Uh, So it's very important to kind of tease out what foods cause it and what foods don't because food is fuel food is kind of medicinal in a way um so in your case the fact that you were able to recognize hey i don't do well when i eat eggs i should probably stop eating them that's you know miles ahead of what other people are thinking and i've seen a lot of people succeed with an approach similar to yours it's you know i don't do well when i eat a big breakfast i don't do well when i slam a bunch of food all at once I need to take smaller meals throughout the day and kind of build in some little snacks. And I know that I need quality, not quantity. So in your case, like you said, with the plant-based protein, some people do really well with animal-based protein sources, and some people prefer the plant-based protein sources. But regardless of what you're getting, I'm sure you're not just going to Walmart and buying the cheapest one off the shelf. You're probably like, you know, researching it a little bit and, you know, you're not getting like the, you know, super cheap protein bars that are pretty much just artificial and like basically candy with a little bit of protein. Um, So I like the focus on things like quality, things like timing and what works for you it's very customizable and individualized and i think that self-experimentation approach to nutrition is something that we really need to encourage more because like you said you could have just went the medicinal route but that never really attacks the root cause of the issue that's not to say that the issue wouldn't have uh, come back in the near future if you didn't change anything yeah and i still kind of like here and there will eat something that does have some eggs and I don't think at this point like it impacts my life as much as it did like a year ago right. but now I, right now my mindset is like it impacted me that much back then and I've already cut it out and I've only kind of at this point seen improvements so there's no point me kind of like reincorporating it back in so just stick to what I've been doing for like the past couple months exactly if it's not broke no reason to fix it right yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh that's a tough lesson for people to learn sometimes, especially us as trainers. I feel like we kind of get exposed to all these different knowledge pieces and training approaches and all these different things. We get excited sometimes and it's always like, wow, I could switch this up, I could change this up. We kind of become 
addicted to change sometimes and we kind of forget that we can just stay the course and stick with what works and continue to get results. Uh, I see this a lot with people in the gym is they'll do a different workout every day, which, you know, again, there's nothing wrong with that. That's fun. That's different. It's exciting. But, you know, you can't abandon the staple things, right? Like you can't just, you know, do a workout of mostly squats one day and then not squat again for two weeks. You have to keep some elements of your routine consistent. Um, So I think there's a lot to be said about just the value of staying the course with what you're doing, find what works. And then once you find it, stick with it because you've done all the hard work. Uh, You just got to stay the course. Yeah. And what I've noticed with like anyone that I've trained is that's what works best. And CrossFit itself is like, it's constantly varied functional movements. So you can have one every day is something different. So that's why where like what I give someone that I train it, like it's not, it's movements that are functional, but it's not different every time or every week that I see them. Like what they get for one session is whether I do those movements for four weeks or five weeks, it really depends on the time frame. but each week they'll grow upon what I've given them the week prior. So it's like whether the reps change or the sets change weight changes like they can at least see progress right doing it that way which is kind of like going back to your fundamentals anyways so like incorporating a lot of variety but you're still seeing progress in all those exercises for sure that's the big thing right progress and talking about that variety while balancing consistency and still seeing progress i mean that's kind of your own unique training approach that leads you to get those things you're consistent, but you have enough variety and you continue to see progress in your training. And that's something that you've passed along to your clients. How do you recommend someone else kind of go about kind of developing their own approach to training, nutrition, kind of life in general, as it comes to health and fitness? Uh, is there anything yeah. that you recommend people do or not do? Or um, I'm actually glad you kind of asked this question because this is what <laughs> I actually talked to a lot of people about is you got to be open to all types of training. So there are some types of training that I look at that I'm already like, oh, I would never do that. Mm-hmm. But you got to like, as a trainer, if you want to be in this type of field, you can't think that your training is the best. Right. So you got to be open to all different types, whether it be Olympic lifting, powerlifting, bodybuilding, uh, functional movements. You can't not just be like, oh, I'm going to disregard all of that because they're all helpful in some, some way. Um, but to find like your own unique style of training is like, that will help with it because like just being open to all different types and experiencing all different types is now you have so much more knowledge in those areas. So if I only did bodybuilding, my whole life. That's the only thing I know is how to get my muscles to be huge. But if I did bodybuilding, if I did Olympic lifting, CrossFit, functional style training, if I do all of those week after week, just doesn't matter if you do like only one of those a day, or if you do it a wide, wide variety each week, then you'll have that extra knowledge in those areas to kind of give to other people. So developing your own, it took me like, at this point, I think 
it's really when you become accepting of other things where you kind of like really start to develop your own style because then you know what works for you because I've done the whole bodybuilding with my friend but my body structure is like playing soccer my whole life my body I feel like is at a point where it just doesn't get bigger just starts to tone more but it gets stronger Mm -hmm. so I know bodybuilding doesn't specifically work for me in a lot of areas so that's why I do other things but if bodybuilding works for someone else then that's fine for them. Exactly. You just got to be all styles. Yeah. That's a big problem. I see a lot of people have, um, I think it's called the Dunning Kruger effect. Uh, one of my other friends, we've had him on the show a couple times. Eric is, he, he is very big and passionate about that. Um, basically a lot of people, uh, have this kind of concept that they know everything when in reality, they know almost nothing about a topic. And until they kind of try it and get into it, they don't realize how little they actually know. Um, And you mentioned Olympic weightlifting. That's a perfect example for someone like myself is I do things like front squats, but you never see me do a clean and jerk or a snatch because I haven't trained the uh, neuromuscular movement pattern and coordination to be able to do something like that. And that's something that I know is a weak area for me. And I know I need to address it and spend more time kind of attacking that weak point, but I'm aware of my own flaws. It's not something that I'm just going to kind of brush under the rug. And, you know, with that too, like we talked about before, the quality, do it right. Don't just go in there and attempt something like a clean and jerk or a snatch. If you don't have the ability to do simple things first, like break down the movement for all of those movements, you need to be able to do a squat. If you can't squat properly, you probably should not try and do a weighted overhead squat with, um, you know, 135 pounds or something like that. Uh, so it's, it's great analogies and kind of just circling back to what we talked about before. Well, going off what you just said is like, if, if you don't know a movement, is like some trainers are out there like this that like if you don't know the movement or you've never kind of like done the movement you know the proper technique there's no reason for you to kind of give it to someone else right which like there's so many movements out there you can get the same stimulus from and you don't have to do something to kind of like look cool or try and be better than other people because there's a lot of movements that like i do and like my style of training is completely different than the other trainers at where I'm currently. So, but what I put for like the individuals I'm training is like, I just know why I'm doing those movements and that's what works best. So like, I'm glad you brought that up is like, you don't know certain movements, but you can like, you want to work in certain areas to kind of like improve those areas. You like, it's good to know all types of areas, but there's a lot of movements that I don't know, mm-hmm. but it's trying your best to understand those areas that you don't know, whether it be like doing the movements or talking to someone that has done the movements for their whole life. It's just like gaining that extra knowledge rather than just kind of like pulling it out of your, I don't want to say like ass, but like pulling out of your ass and trying yeah. to like in front of that person. Right. Exactly. Always 
if you don't know, I, I like to say, be accountable about it. Say, I don't know, but I'm going to learn or I'm, yes. I know someone who does. So we're going to go talk to that person. Um, that's something I do a lot both as a trainer and in physical therapy, because like we just said, it's impossible to know everything. Uh, I'll give a quick example. I had a patient that was having uh, pelvic health problems. I am not a pelvic health expert by any means. That's kind of where I tap out and say like, you know, this is out of my wheelhouse. Here's some people you can talk to about what you're currently experiencing that will help you with problems like incontinence. Um, so it's important to know when you're in over your head and maybe it's something complex like that, or maybe it's something simple like, you know, you see someone doing a squat and you know something's wrong, but you can't quite trace the source of the problem. Like say they're doing a squat, their knees caving in, but you can't quite figure out, is it because they don't have enough hip movement is it a lack of core stability? Is it a lack of ankle mobility? You can't quite figure out the root cause of the problem. That's a great example of when you should tap out and kind of find someone who specializes in something like that, who can kind of fill you into the gaps and maybe even teach you what they know along the way. So then you become more kind of enabled to do what they do uh, moving forward. Yes. Yeah. Always like, they always tell you like be kind of willing to learn and you yes. want to be always learning whether it be like doing research or just talking to people always kind of like learn there's so many different opportunities to learn at this point like in our lives mm -hmm. you have like social media and then some social media but not all social media but you have social media you have like podcasts and i've heard this in other podcasts where it's just such a wide area to just take in information and it's so easy to incorporate what you learn in those like stuff in this that i'm learning it's like it's easy for me to incorporate this in the stuff i take every single day right right like you said it's there's never been an easier time to learn there's so many free resources and so many things available that weren't there, you know, when we were playing soccer 10 yes. years ago. Uh, and, you know, looking back, man, I wish they were because uh, it'd be nice to have access to like, you know, books by some of the greats like Messi, Ronaldo, stuff like that back then. Um, but we live and learn. So with that, William, thank you so much for your time and for coming on the podcast. Great talk yeah. and uh, great insight and great catching up with you. No, thanks for having me. I Thanks for listening to this episode of the Brown Body Podcast. To keep up to date with everything we're doing, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and give us a follow on social media. You can find us at Brown Body, B-R-A-W-N-B-O-D-Y. While you're there, make sure you follow William on Instagram and social media as well. You can find him at William underscore Rupakis. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.